lives. And one of the main ways he does that is by getting us to believe a lie about ourselves or about God. And if he can get us to believe a lie about who God is or about who we are in God, uh, it just automatically will send us down the wrong road. And this is a tool that Satan has been using from the very beginning, and that is uh, getting us to believe lies. In fact, Jesus called him the father of lies. It says in John 8, 44, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is really, 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 really good at lying. Uh, to the point where sometimes we believe he's speaking the truth. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's the father of lies. And he knows where we're weak. He knows which lies that we are open to believe. And he'll push them. And he'll push them. And he'll push them. Because when we believe a lie about who God is or who we are in God, it will lead to uh, that killing, stealing, and destroying in our lives. And this was his very first tactic, as we have seen, Right at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, with Adam and Eve, Satan uh, tried to get them to believe a lie. When, when the woman said to Satan, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And then Satan says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God is not really wanting your best. God isn't really fully for you. If God was really for you, he would say you can eat of all trees, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But because he said no to that tree, he really doesn't love you fully. He's not really fully good. And they believe this lie, that maybe God isn't fully good that maybe God isn't fully loving, that maybe God is holding out on us, and if we just take things in our own hand and eat of that tree, I'm really going to be living the dream. I'm really going to be living the life if I just decide what's right and wrong for myself. And they take it, and we know that literally all hell has broken loose since then. I mean, uh, it leads to destruction. And whenever we believe a lie about God, it leads to the same place. And, uh, and we've used this, uh, that our relationship and experience with God will never be, go beyond our view of God. Uh, that our relationship with God will never go beyond our view of God. Uh, one of the reasons a lot of people have a hard time, like when Darren was talking about surrender, and I will later on in this message, uh, one of the reasons some people are afraid to surrender is because their view of God is that He's not fully good, or that He's not fully loving. That if I surrender, somehow I'm going to live a lesser life. If I surrender to him, you know, God's not really going to be for me. He's going to be totally against me and there's something bad's going to happen. So I don't fully surrender because there's a lie, I believe. And if you're here today and you're just like, I'm not really willing to fully surrender, probably somewhere in your heart there is a lie you are believing about God or about who you are in God. And again, Satan will do whatever he can to get us to believe lies. And so we've looked at a few already. Uh, the first one we looked at was that God does not fully forgive me. It's a lie that Satan can tell us that we're actually not fully forgiven. That maybe God forgives us for the little things, but there are certain things that are really bad, that are really ugly in your life, that you keep messing up on, that God's not going to really fully forgive you. Yeah, you confess it, but God is really angry at you, and he doesn't forgive you one bit. I mean, we believe this lie at times. Even the best of Christians sometimes I have found have believed this lie that they're actually not fully forgiven. 
But the Scriptures tell us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, as we've talked about, we're left with, left with this option. Either you can believe Satan, you can believe that you're not forgiven, or you can believe your feelings because sometimes our own, our own feelings, I don't really feel forgiven, or you can believe the God of this universe who says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins, and I hope you believe God. And so we conquer these lies with the truth. And it's what Jesus said, the truth will set you free, and the reason a lot of people aren't free is because they actually don't believe the truth of God's Word. And so we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. A second lie uh, that even some of the best Christians at times will subtly believe, uh, that God doesn't love me deeply. Maybe he just puts up with me, you know, maybe he loves those other Christians who are really, really good, but I'm not as good, and he doesn't really love me. Uh, he maybe calls me his child, but I'm his, like, unwanted child or something like that. <laughs> but we got to remember what Jesus said in John 17, that the same love the Father has for Jesus in all his perfection in the unity of the triune God, that is the same love that God the Father has for you. And God knows every fault. He knows every weakness. He knows where you mess up. A lot of times we hide from others because we think if people really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me, and maybe it's true. I don't know. But God knows everything about you, and He loves you. And this is the truth of God's Word. Again, you can believe God, <laughs> you can believe your feelings, or you can believe Satan, and I hope you believe you believe God. We looked at this one uh, a couple weeks ago. God won't be there for me, or God won't provide for me. Uh, God really isn't present and the truth, again, is, as it said in Hebrews 13, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That wherever you are, God is. That wherever you are, God is. And you know what? This is funny because we all know this. It was like, duh, this is pretty primary Christianity. Wherever I am, God is. But there's a big difference, as we talked about, between understanding this truth and actually having it change your life. And the Bible doesn't want these truths just to be in your head. He wants them to be so saturated in your being that they actually change the way you live, that God with you should change the way you live. Uh, just as I talked about how when you go, at least when I do, in, in the woods by myself, I get scared, but when you're with somebody, you're not as scared. Like the physical presence of a real person changes me when I walk in the woods, how much more should the presence of the living, most powerful being in this universe change the way you live? We should do anxiety and worry and fear differently because of this truth. But, but again, Satan will get us to believe this lie. Well, God isn't really with you. He's not going to really provide for you. Psalm 18, the Lord is with me. We know that. But it says it should change you, so I will not be afraid. And this is the part that we need to live into. We, we know this, God's with me, but so I will not be afraid. I'm not going to freak out. Uh, I'm not going to uh, worry uh, like the rest of the world. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Or do not fear. Now, why shouldn't I be afraid? There's so many things to be afraid of in this world. Why shouldn't we be freaking out? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. And we looked at promises for provision, that God will meet all your needs according to the riches of 
of his glory in Christ Jesus, that he loves you as his dear child, and therefore, just as any good father wants to provide for his kids, that he provides. Not always in the way we want, but he provides for us. Now, the lie we're going to look at today is this. Uh, Satan wants us to believe this lie, that the best and fullest life is found outside of God. That the best and fullest life is found outside of God. That if you, uh, Satan will say, and others will say, if you give your life to Jesus, if you really surrender to him, your life's just going to suck. It's going to be miserable. No more fun. No more pleasure ever for you. It's just going to go down. He's going to send you to Antarctica or something like that, you know. Uh, but this is very common thinking. And I hear from people that time, the subtle thing that if you surrender to God, then all of a sudden you've just given up the abundant full life. That God doesn't really want you to be filled with joy. That God doesn't want you to be blessed. Uh, again, uh, this is propagated by Satan. It's propagated by the British Humanist Society. I think I've showed this before, who posted this on buses a few years ago. It was a big a billboard ad where it says, there's probably no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And the idea behind this subtly is a few different things, but one of it is that you can't really enjoy your life if you follow Jesus. That again, your life is going to be miserable, that you're going to miss out on the fullness of life, that there's no more abundant life if you, if you follow Jesus. And again, this is one of the reasons why many people are subtly afraid of surrendering to Jesus. Because they think their life is just going to go downhill and no more fun, no more joy, you know, no more full fullness of life. This is exact opposite of what this verse says, by the way. The thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. And Satan wants us to believe that God comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That if you surrender to him, oh, it's going to go bad. <laughs> You're just, no, no more fun in your life anymore. It's going to be miserable. It's a totally twisting of this verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this word full, if, if you read other translations, sometimes it's uh, life abundantly. Uh, the word means, in the Greek, means lots of things. It means more than one would normally expect or anticipate. It means over and above, more than is necessary, exceedingly abundantly, supremely, something further, more, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, more remarkable, more excellent. Now, we could just stop there, and when Satan says, the best and fullest life is found outside of God, I could just look at John 10, 10, and say, no, that, 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 that's a lie from the enemy. In fact, all the things that we really, really need in life are found in Jesus. All those things that people really, really are longing for, they're like, if I just had this more, I'd, be, I'd just be, I'd be, I'd be having this abundant life, all those things we really, really need are found in Jesus over and over and over and over again. Joy. We all want joy, greater joy, because sometimes life is hard. Jesus said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in, him, in his love. I have told you this, what? Jesus says, I want you to follow me in my commands. I have told you this, Why? so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is not talking about 
well, I'm just going to give you 70% joy. This is complete joy. This is the joy of God. He's the most joyous, uh, joyful being in the universe. Uh, those things of joy that we just long for joy, it is found in a fully surrendered life to Jesus. That's what he's saying here. A satisfaction. I just want satisfaction. Remember the sorry, whatever. Maybe that song's backwards. I don't know. Uh, John 6. <laughs> Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This, the soul satisfaction we have is found in Jesus. Uh, peace, we all want peace. And Jesus said, peace I leave you with you. My peace I give you. Uh, we all look for, want this unconditional love. Because pretty much everybody who loves us in life is usually conditional. I love you if. I love you if you do this and if you don't do this. But God's love is unconditional. We want someone who actually loves us even though we're messy and is willing to work with us to grow us. I mean, again, this is why we hide from people. Because if someone really knew who I was, really knew what was inside my heart and inside my mind at times, they wouldn't love me anymore, so we hide. God knows all about you, and he still loves you radically. Isn't that what everybody wants, is to be loved even though we are messy? That's found in Jesus. Uh, power. Uh, we need power for life because, again, life is beyond us. And Ephesians 1 says his incomparably great power is for us who believe. Everybody's looking for meaning and purpose. I mean, you try to live life without meaning and purpose, it'll just always go bad. Uh, you'll be miserable. I mean, there's nothing like just knowing your meaning and knowing your purpose and living that. That gives you more life than anything, and that is found in Jesus. For it says we are God's handiwork. God created you and shaped you for a special purpose and a special, for a special meaning in this world. Uh, we are uh, God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is incredible meaning, incredible purpose in Jesus. All the stuff that we really, really want in life is found in a fully surrendered life to Jesus. Uh, we can look at strength. He gives power, strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Uh, we want comfort, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Uh, wisdom. Uh, we need wisdom. Every day I need wisdom because there's situations where I don't know the answer. In Christ, it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This, this relationship with Jesus who knows everything, who knows the answer to every one of our problems. This is what people just dream of having in their life. Like, this is found through Jesus. Uh, a manual in life. I mean, how many times you say, where's the instructional manual for my marriage? You know, this is going bad, you know. There is a manual. It's right here. This is, this is our manual on life, and he's given to it to us. All Scripture is God-breathed. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly, not partially, but thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, relationship with God. This is one thing that, that pretty much everybody in this world wants. Now, it looks differently, uh, but people want a relationship with God. And the good news of Christianity is that it can happen through Jesus. Where most religious systems are, you need to go through all these steps. You've got to work through your karma, or you've got to work through these pillars, or what do you got to do a lot of good. It's got to outweigh your bad. And if it doesn't, then you're not going to be connected with it. God is always distant, or God is somewhere out there. Through Jesus, you can have this intimate, personal relationship 
with him. Where, even in our times of need, Hebrews 4 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is a relationship with God that's not based on your goodness, it's based on the goodness of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is something that we're all looking for. Uh, Eternal life. The search for the fountain of youth, you know, as the old movies go or whatever. I mean, everybody knows this is, uh, that there is probably something after we die. And through Jesus, we don't have to worry anymore. We don't have to wonder if there's life because the one who died, he rose again. And John 6 is very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And when you're in Jesus, that eternal life begins right now. It's not like you're going to have it. You have it now. And it's working and it's developing and it's expanding to the fullness that will happen. Uh, Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Now, just look at that verse. Does that sound like a horrible, miserable life? Does that feel like, you know, God just wants to suck all the life out of you and make it miserable? I mean, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Uh, Jeremiah puts it this way, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I mean, does that sound like this horrible life. It sounds like abundant life. It sounds like the fullness of life that even through the difficulties, there's this greenness about me because of the presence of God in my life. But Satan just wants to keep twisting this. So he wants to keep us from surrender because it's just going to get bad. Paul put it this way. If someone else thinks they have more reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he's talking about being a Pharisee, which in his day would be sort of that respected position by a lot of people. It's like, those Pharisees, they're living the dream, you know, as people say today. Paul was living the dream. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. This, is, this, is, this was the life so many people wanted, to be a rabbi and then be a Pharisee and to teach others, and, and Paul had it. He thought that was life, but then he says this after he meets Jesus. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, and he says, I consider everything. That life before, which I thought I was living the dream that I thought was so amazing, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. See what he's saying? I have found such life in Jesus that all that I was living for before, it's like it's garbage compared to this life in Jesus. Now, does that sound like someone who's like, I'm a Christian now, it's so horrible, I just don't have life anymore, and I can't have fun. No, he's just like, this, I, I love this. I get to know the God of the universe. This is amazing. Uh, now, this doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect in your life, obviously. You read Paul's story. He suffered 
Uh, he was persecuted. He was martyred. He actually died for believing in Jesus. Uh, following Jesus doesn't always make everything easier, but I tell you, it makes it possible. It doesn't always make things comfortable, but it makes it a lot more uh, filled with joy and strength. And when we're talking about life, we need to make sure we don't just think of this little itty tiny piece of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, whatever years we live here. Because when the Bible speaks of life, we've got to think of eternity. I mean, if you just picture one little molecule floating in the air, and then you just think about that little tiny piece compared to the distance of all the way around the whole world. I mean, that little molecule is the time we're spending here on earth. And we got forever and ever and ever and ever in eternity. And when God is talking about this fullness of life, this abundant life, yes, that is here, but it's also more so fulfilled in this beautiful future we have where there is no crying, there is no tears, there is no suffering, there is no pain. It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It is beautiful all the way. Now to go deeper into the abundant life, because again, that starts here. Uh, we need to stop eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember, to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is basically going to say, I am going to decide what is good and evil in my life without God. I am going to decide what is right and wrong in my life without God. That's whenever we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, the lie is from Satan is that the fullness of life is found in eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you out, go outside of God's boundaries. If you go outside his, his law, that's where the abundant life, that's where the full life is. So just ignore some of his things. Don't fully surrender it because it's going to suck. But if you just go outside of his boundaries, outside of his laws, that's where the fullness of life is. But the truth is the fullness of life is in a fully surrendered relationship with Jesus. Where we say, I'm not going to eat of the tree of the knowledge of evil, good and evil anymore. I'm not going to say that I know better than God. I'm going to trust what God says. And a lot of times we're like a, like a kid uh, with candy. You know, little kid, of course he's going to say, the fullness of life is found in me eating candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> of course it is. What are these stupid laws my parents have that i got to eat broccoli, you know? Uh, I know best. My life's going to be so much more fun if I just eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And there might be these momentary pleasures, but it's going to get worse. And sometimes we're like that. <laughs> yeah, mushrooms, yeah. Uh, sometimes we're like that. We're like... Yeah, I know what you say, Heavenly Father, but I think this is going to be way more fun. I think this is going to be the, the path to abundant life. And we, we eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and say, well, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong because I know best. And it always come back to actually rob us of fullness of life. Rabbi Zacharias put it this way. A pleasure without God, without the sacred boundaries, will actually leave you emptier than before. And this is a biblical truth. This is experiential truth. The loneliest people in the world are amongst the wealthiest and the most uh, famous who found no boundaries with which in to live. That is a fact I've seen again and again. And Ravi's traveled many, many times around the world and met with many, many different people. I mean, if you just run after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide what is fun or not fun. And for my life, it's the lie of the enemy. See, that's the fullness of life, but it is found in living in the surrendered life uh, of God and of Jesus. Uh, uh, John 1.5 puts it this way. This is a good test for us. This is love for God to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. This is love for God 
to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Now, the reason we think his commands are burdensome sometimes is because we think that if I do that, it's going to be less abundant life. It's going to be less fullness of life. And it's based in a lie. Somewhere we believe that God isn't fully good and isn't fully loving, so if I obey him, I'm going to miss out on that somehow, and he's actually going to you know, do something. But when you love God and you understand he's 100% loving, he's 100% good, then you look at his commands and say they're not burdensome. Because that's the path to abundant life. That's the path to the fullness of life. Why would I think something that is to bring me more life and more abundant life, why would I ever see that as burdensome? But Satan wants to get you to think, oh, if you do that, it's going to be burdensome. It's going to rob you of abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus put it this way, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever finds their life that is on their own, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm going to find life on my own, you will lose it. But when you lose your life and say, I'm going to put Jesus in charge, that is when you actually find life. We We could put it this way. The more we pursue life on our own terms, the less we will have. The more we live life on God's terms, the more life we will experience. It's just another way of putting this verse. The more we try to do life on our own, separated from God, figuring out what what is good and evil for ourselves without God, the less life we will end up having. But the more we trust God and trust his commands and trust his will and his ways, the more life, the more life, the more life we will experience in our lives. So here's just some applications. Uh, You can try to live an unfulfilled life by trying to find life in trying to honor yourself above everyone else. I'm going to have life for myself. I'm going to make sure I'm the most important person in the room and I honor myself and everybody knows it and, you know, try to find life that way. Or you can find true and abundant life by honoring one another above yourselves. Uh, You can try to live an unfulfilled life by trying to find life in self-effort and personal striving. It's all up to me and I got to work hard and if it's not, I got to freak out and worry and it's all about me. Or you can live the abundant life And you can strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in you. You can live by His energy. You can live an unfulfilled life by trying to hide your faults from everybody. Because my life is found in my looking good to everybody. And I'm going to hide who I really am. And I'm not going to open up to God or to anybody else and try to get life that way. A lot of people do. Or you can find abundant life and you can humble yourself before God and before others. And you can find that he will lift you up and give you a life more than you can ever imagine. You can live an unfulfilled life by trying to be right all the time with everybody you meet. Or you don't listen to anybody. You don't care what they say because you're always right. And you argue to death until you're right because that's where you get your life. I get my life from being right all the time. Or you can live an abundant life and in humility value others above yourselves and actually listen. So you can bring in the gospel and the truth of Jesus in the right way uh, to that situation. You can live an unfulfilled life by trying to find life in your possessions. Or you can live an abundant life of Hebrews 13 where it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. As, as Paul said, I have found the secret of contentment whether I'm in plenty or in want. Very, very few people who are ever on their deathbed wishing they had another portion in their garage. 
Again, the things we really, really long for in life, they're found in Jesus. Uh, we can live an unfulfilled life by trying to uh, seek revenge. If I just get that person back who hurt me or hurt my family or my friends, if I just get them back, then I'm going to have life. I'm going to have my life back finally. Or you can live an abundant life where God says, do not take revenge, where God says, you forgive. It's the path to the fullness of life. It's the path to abundant life and trust that God, in the end, is going to make things right. You can live an unfulfilled life by trying to uh, find life by exposing other people's faults so that you look better. The more faults I expose, the more I gossip of other people, the better I'm going to look and I'm going to find my life, my abundant life in, in just making sure I'm better than everybody else. Or you can find the abundant life through Jesus and always be humble and gentle, being patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. You can try to find, a, a, find life through obeying all the rules, being a rule keeper, religion. I'm just going to follow all the commands and you know, I don't need to be close to God. I've got to follow all the commands and, and doing it through your own effort. Or you can live the abundant life and actually follow Jesus. As John 5 says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. You don't have eternal life by following rules. You have eternal life through Jesus. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Again, John 6, let's close here. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The life that we really want, the fullness, the abundant life, those things that really are important to us here in our soul, not superficial pleasures, but, but those things that we really need, they're found in Jesus. Now just take a moment and ask, God, what is there a lie I'm believing in my heart? Is there some lie I'm believing in my heart that is causing me to be afraid to surrender? Maybe today you're just like, I, I just can't ever surrender fully to God. I always want to keep eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and deciding what's going to make my life best. What lie are you believing that is keeping you from fully surrendering to Jesus? Let's just take a moment and hear the Holy Spirit for each of us. And whatever the Holy Spirit is saying, God says this. Uh, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And throughout this, we have been uh, saying together, uh, just renouncing this lie and receiving the truth. So let's uh, say this bold in the white together. Father, I renounce the lie that the best and fullest life is found outside of serving and loving you. I receive the truth that following you, Jesus, is the only path to a full and abundant life.
Let's invite the worship team up. Now, Father, we thank you uh, for sending Jesus. Uh, We thank you that our righteousness is found in him. We thank you that forgiveness and grace and all those things that we really need in this life are found in him. And God, I pray you would just cause us to move more and more towards surrender, where our love would be perfected, where your love would cast out all fear. And God, that we just lay our lives at your feet, knowing that it's through you and through a surrendered life that we have life and life abundantly. We have joy and we have peace and we have rest and we have forgiveness and we have love and we have eternity. We have so, so much hope. So we thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done and all that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.